Hey, it's Kylie Gable, publisher of Candy Apple Press, and welcome to another episode of the Feminine Boudoir Podcast. Tonight's episode is a little bit different. We have the BBC dealer, Naima, who has recorded um, a two-part story for me called The Stephanie Project, which I wrote with Claudia Costa and Mindy Harris. And this particular story uh, concerns a college uh, guy who believes he is God's gift to women and loves to prey on freshmen. Uh, Unfortunately, he runs into just the wrong two freshman twins who have a sister who knows how to look out for her little sisters. So uh, this is the end of the first story, which is... um, Part one. Part two will be out next week, but part one is available for sale on Clips for Sale and I Want Clips. And I believe uh, the BBC dealer on Night Flirt also has it for sale. So check it out. What's that? asked Lisa. You'll love it, replied Stephen. I'm sure he thought that Lisa was a lightweight. He was counting on the alcohol hitting her much faster than it hit him. He discussed this disgusting tactic in detail on his blog and his podcast. He called it the tipsy tactic. He'd use it to prey on a lot of girls, but it didn't go quite the way he planned. We were ready for him. As Stephen and Lisa finished their first drinks, he turned to her and while caressing her bare right thigh, he asked, How do you like the drink, my plump little sugar plum? It was pretty good, said Lisa, managing to shrug off the latest manipulation. I really need to hit the bathroom, though. You're not going to throw up, are you? he asked. No, I'll be right back. Why don't you order us another round, said Lisa, grabbing her purse and making her way into the ladies' room. Lisa walked straight into the bathroom and smiled at Alicia and me. Good work so far, I said. You're up, sis, she replied. Get out there. Before the next round shows up, though. I don't trust him not to spike the drink. Alicia emerged from the bathroom. She was wearing the exact same outfit as her twin sister. The only question was whether or not she'd be able to fool him, but it didn't take her long to realize that he was completely clueless. So where's that other drink, Elise? asked Alicia. It's coming, said Stephen. You think you can keep up with me? Absolutely, she said. I just want to get my drink on before the band starts. All right, my kind of girl, said Stephen. As the waitress arrived and placed the two drinks in front of them, Alicia picked hers up and took a big gulp. Try and keep up if you don't want me to think you're a total wimp, said Alicia. Over the next half hour, both Lisa and Alicia finished two long islands. They were both silly and giggling, but in control enough to flawlessly switch places back and forth. Our plan was proceeding perfectly. The twins also switched drinks with Stephen, just in case he'd slipped some date rape jug into one of theirs. After gulping five drinks, he was drunk, and almost on the verge of passing out. It was barely 7.30, and his night was already over. At least his night as Stephen was over. His night as Stephanie was just about to begin. Either he was a lightweight, or he tried to drug Lisa and only to drug himself, or both. We soon learned it was both. Before the band turned up, it was time to go. 
Lisa texted me, and Alicia and I joined her at the table. Fortunately, no one was paying any attention to the sloshed guy. They were fixated on the beautiful twins in matching outfits. The band was setting up, but the lead singer didn't have much to do. He sauntered over to my sister's, introduced himself as Carl, and said, Hey, the band could use a couple of hot backup dancers, and you're dressed for it. What do you say you shake your tushes on stage for us? And we can all party after the gig. My guess is that this Carl had a twins fetish, so I played on that. My sisters and I have a few errands to do tonight, but who knows? Maybe we'll see you again soon. At that, both twins winked at him and smiled. Carl looked disappointed but told us, The backup dancer offer is real. Just mention my name at any gig to get in free and ask them for a backstage access. He waggled his eyebrows suggestively. As he said the words backstage access, I thought, ugh, gross, as we half dragged, half carried Walters out to his car. We put him in the front passenger seat as I took the keys and the twins got into the back. If he saw them in their matching outfits, he would probably just would have thought that he was seeing double. We took him to the Mystique Boutique to carry out part three of our plan. On the way, it became apparent that Stephen was under the influence of a date rape drug. He was still conscious, but completely loopy. When he pulled up in the front of the trendy little shop, it was still before 8 p.m. We quickly made up his face and then led him into the store. I loved this store. It had great clothes at very affordable prices. Luckily for us, Walters was petite, and we had a lot of very sexy clothes choices for him. First, we had him model a black skater dress that had a very sheer floral lace insert with flutter sleeves and a low-cut neckline. Every girl needs a sexy LBD, little black dress, and this was a very cute one. The flirty flouncy skirt fell to just above his knees. Paired with four-inch black suede ankle strap heels, it made him look like a boy-crazy club chick. I could easily picture a girl dressed like this dancing the night away, first vertically in a hot night spot, and then horizontally in a bed with a horny stud. The look was good, but we wanted better. We made him try on four other dresses, a tight, hot pink bodycon dress a flowy white floral wrap dress, a bright red asymmetrical sheath, and a band-aid dress in off-white, but none of them said wow to all three of us. Throughout the whole process, Stephen was compliant, if sometimes playfully bratty. Sometimes he did everything we told him without much complaint, but he was pretty out of it. Served him right. Whatever drug he was hoping to use on Lisa would have rendered her helpless. Finally, we put him in a lightweight royal blue lace-up dress with a princess-seamed bodice and short sleeves. It featured an open back with crisscross lacing. The material flowed over his slim figure, and the color really made his eyes pop. The full skater skirt had a built-in black net petticoat that peeked out alluringly at the hem and made it flare enticingly. 
The dress presented a heady mix of giggly girlishness and sultry seduction. It was perfect. We matched this cute number with four-inch stiletto heels in an eye-catching metallic gold that had a single thin dainty strap that was across his ankles. We also found a cute handbag and purse that set the shoes perfectly and pulled them from the shelves. The boutique carried French lingerie and hosiery, so we also picked out a cobalt blue padded push-up bra and a pair of matching thong panties. It took some effort, but the three of us managed to get him into the sexy set of satin underthings. Luckily, his dick was tiny and slipped into the thong, seemingly disappearing. With the darkest black pantyhose on his leg, his sparse leg hair was invisible. At last, we had Walters all dressed up in the killer ensemble, looking like a sexy babe there in the dressing room. We'd selected a blue satin choker, some bangles, and clip-on earrings to complete the look. After we styled his longish hair in a sassy feminine updo with some product, Stephanie was ready to make his evening debut. Lisa put his ID and other essentials into the small purse and then put that into the bag. We just left his mail clothes in the garbage can and guided him to the register. There we presented the tags for everything Walters was wearing and we had him pay for everything with his credit card. When the salesgirl, a cute blonde with Katie on her name tag, asked us, Is she all right? Our new girlfriend grinned dizzily and answered, Never better. Get it? Never better. Then he giggled like a foolish child, and we all rolled our eyes, but Katie looked worried. Don't worry, she's not driving, I assured her. We gathered Walters between us and made our way back to his car. By this time, the date-rake drug was in full effect. His legs were limp like noodles, and his eyes were only half open. He was apparently unaware of where he was or what he was wearing, and kept talking, or more accurately, singing to himself. We carefully placed him in the back seat, laying down with his head in Alicia's lap. He better not puke on me, she growled as Lisa got in beside me in the front seat, and I turned the key to start the car. This is going to be epic, I laughed. Moments later, we were back at the bar cord, and the band was playing so loudly we could hear the booming bass from the parking lot. When we got to the door, I mentioned Karl Marx. The bouncer made contact with the singer who nodded, and we were in. This was fortunate because, although the three of us sisters had fake IDs, Stephanie didn't. He especially didn't have one with a picture that matched his sexy rock and roll chick appearance. We four danced to the music. It wasn't half bad. They had a retro sound, kind of like the Ramones, who they were pretty much copying. Like the Ramones, they all used stage first names with the last name Marx. Marx Brothers, Marx Brothers, Karl Marx. It was kind of campy, but sort of cute and the humor mixed well with their angsty, melodic vibe. Karl Marx brought us all on stage to dance behind the band. We had a blast showing off for the audience. Stephanie as much as the rest of us. Between sets, we hung out in the back room. The drummer, Grouchy Marx, took a liking to Stephanie. 
and sat her on his lap. He had no clue that the little cutie he was kissing was really a guy. Carl sat with the twins on either side of him, incredibly happy. I kept an eye on the other three while idly chatting with a guitarist named Skid Marks and the bass player who called himself Tire Marks. I also took tons of pictures and videos of Stephanie making out with Grouchy while pretending to check my email. The evidence of this makeout session was exactly what we wanted. We had already set up the website and posted the video. Lisa took of him putting on his pink dress and getting made up, plus my video of him walking around the library in the same outfit. Once we added the videos and pictures of his transformation at the Mystique Boutique and these new pictures and video, there was no way he'd ever live this down. The Stephanie project had succeeded beyond our wildest imagination. Walters easily passed for a girl, as I predicted he would. At this point, it was just easier to think of Stephanie as the girl she appeared to be. So the whole campus and most of the internet would know what a pretty wannabe girl Stephanie made. Before long, it was time for the second set. The band opened with a crowd pleaser called Making Plans for the Economy that went directly into a high-tempo song called Great Leap Forward. The four of us danced frenetically behind them as the Marxists ripped through their power chords. The second set was pretty long. The band was good and dancing was amazingly fun. After the show, we were exhausted and eager to get to sleep. Instead, we hung out with the band while they loaded their equipment into a very large but decidedly sketchy-looking van. I kissed both Skid and Tyre on the cheek. The twins did the same with Carl, and Grouchy bent Stephanie backwards and stuck his tongue down her throat. Laughing, we all got into Walter's red Mercedes and headed back to campus. We were nearly back to the twins' dorm before I realized that Stephanie wasn't with us. It didn't take long to figure out what had happened and exactly where she was. Our drugged faux girl was literally with the band. Our little male supremacist was turning into a slutty little groupie. As much as we couldn't stand him, we didn't want to abandon him like that either. When Grouchy tried to have sex with her, he'd discover her tiny little secret. At that point, with four rockers and one dainty little trap, the situation could turn violent, possibly even fatal. We had to act quickly to rescue poor Stephanie from that fate. Lisa checked out the Marx Brothers website and called the number listed. No answer. Alicia checked their gig calendar and saw they were scheduled to play the next night in the next town over. I made a U-turn and headed in that direction. They obviously wouldn't be setting up for tomorrow night's gig. The only question was, were they successful enough to get a hotel room, or were they going to park their van in a parking lot and sleep there? There just weren't that many possible vans. It didn't take us long to find the cheap motel these guys had parked at, but finding their room would be a much bigger problem. We snuck around, trying to peek into every window we could. But that was going to get us into trouble eventually, and it wasn't very effective with the lights out and the blinds closed in most of the hotel rooms. 
Fortunately, just as we were about to give up, we heard laughter coming from the opposite side of the hotel. We followed the sound and found Grouchy trying to wrangle Stephanie, which was much easier than it sounds. She kept trying to wander off, and he kept trying to find a way to sober her up. At least he wasn't trying to take advantage of her. Stephanie, we were looking all over for you, exclaimed Lisa. Oh my God, she's completely out of it. What did she take? asked Grouchy. We don't really know. I replied across the hotel parking lot as we approached. He tried to drug my sister Lisa, and she switched glasses on him, said Alicia. I shot daggers at her. Now that Grouchy knew he had been kissing another dude, I was pretty sure he was going to be pissed off. This after we spent so much time and effort trying to make sure he never found that out too. That makes sense, said Grouchy. My friends will kill me if I don't let them get some sleep or I'd invite you in. Do you want Stephanie back? He climbed into the van and we didn't realize it until we were driving off. Did you know he was a boy, I asked? Yeah, but you know, he makes a very cute girl well. It's rock and roll, he said, giving us the universal rock and roll horn signs with his hands. Well, that makes it easier, said Lisa. It's kind of a shame this wasn't his choice. He makes a great backup dancer, said Grouchy. You all do. Really, I said, raising my eyebrow. That's good to know. Grouchy helped us load Stephanie into the Mercedes, and we headed back to the sorority house. I didn't think I wanted to parade him through the dorms. At least, not yet. And that will be continued next week in the Stephanie Project Part 2. This has been a really big week for Candy Apple Press. I just got informed that we are now accepted as an LLC, which is going to make us almost like a real business or something. In addition, we're working very hard on the November crossover that should have many, many writers tackling the common subject of a sorority trying to raise money by training sissies, whether they want to be trained or not. So there's a lot going on on that end. And of course, we have next week the second part of the Stephanie Project. And then I believe the week after that will be the 28th, which will be our Christmas special. I just wrote a new story specifically... Did I just say Christmas? I think I said Christmas. Um, (laughs) Our Halloween special, obviously. I just wrote a new story um, for Mistress DJ to record um, about uh, Halloween at an office and uh, how one woman uses it to take down her co-worker. Um, Very much inspired by another story I did, High Heeled Coup. But, um, so it'll be a Halloween special with Halloween-themed stories, of which I have uh, quite a few. So until then, have a wonderful week, and we'll be back with The Stephanie Project Part 2 next week. This is Kylie. Have a great week. I hope you enjoyed our audio. Links for buying the complete version are going to be available right in the description for this episode. I hope you'll allow me to play PBS for a second. Uh, One of the things I'm really hoping for is to get some subscribers to allow me to continue having 
amazing voice actresses read these audios. Why should you pay for that if you're getting it for free? Well, this is what French Exchange, or at least a snippet of French Exchange, sounds like when read by our very talented native French-speaking voiceover actress. Oh no, silly. They are French men's underwear. She beamed. They are for you. Um, I don't think they're men's, objected Luke as he held up a pair and noticed a distinct lack of fly. Why, sure they are, silly, giggled Hélène as she showed Luke one of the tags written in French as if he could read it. They don't look like any men's underwear I've ever seen. Oh, and you are now the expert on fashion, non? No, I guess not. It's what all the hot French guys are wearing now. But perhaps your American women don't like sexy French guys? All right. I found that pretty sexy. Now here's the same scene if I read it because I can't afford to hire a voiceover actress. Oh no, silly. They are Frenchmen's underwear, she beamed. They are for you. Er, I don't think they're men's, objected Luke, as he held up a pair and noticed a distinct lack of fly. Well, sure they are, silly, giggled Helene as she showed Luke one of the tags written in French, as if he could read it. Uh, they don't look like any men's underwear I've ever seen. Oh, no? And now you are an expert on fashion? No? Uh, no, I, I guess not. It's what all the hot French guys are wearing now. But perhaps your American women don't like sexy French guys. All right. I hope that we never actually ever have to have that happen. But I don't have that big of a back catalog of audios. I do have a lot of stories, but without being able to hire a good and talented narrator, that could happen very easily. You can find a link in the description for the for uh, Anchor where you can donate a buck or two. If you're enjoying this show every week, just contribute a little. I would really appreciate it. Uh, regardless, I'll be back next week on Monday with a new audio, and I will see you then.